That's how it starts. The fever, the rage, the feeling of powerlessness that turns good men cruel. Welcome. I am Andrew Dice. And I am Stephen Colbert. And this is Batman v Superman by the minute, a minute by minute rewatch of Dawn of Justice. We were left on a cliffhanger. Lois and Jimmy Olsen, intrepid reporter and photojournalist, have arrived to cover their story in Nairobi. Yes. Real pioneer stuff. What an interview. I guess we'll see how this goes <laughs> for them. I have a feeling that Lois Lane is going to get her incredible story. And Jimmy's photos, more of a question mark. Yeah, Jimmy's going to get something. Yeah. But in the meantime, let's meet our ride. So, uh, how'd you land it? This is like pioneer stuff. Mama Jug's never given an interview. You know what Hiron always says when we're on assignment together? Not a goddamn thing. I like Hiron. So I think this minute kind of establishes – again, it's set up, but it's giving us the background that we're going to need to kind of figure out what we don't know is a very key plot to the overall machinations. Like before this movie technically starts, mm-hmm. we are introduced to – Lois has landed a, a huge interview with a character named Amajog, who doesn't give interview. This this feels like very similar to me of like, um, you know, this is Lois in total Diane Sawyer mode of yeah. going, you know, in into the the lion's den to to interview with putting her own safety in jeopardy, and uh, very very quickly realizes like the stakes of what's going on. They get black bagged. Yeah, things are not. Like it was maybe she expected it to be a little bit dangerous, but things are very clearly not going according to her plan pretty quickly. Yeah, they get nervous about pictures and and then yeah they get the the black bag. Actually, this rem- this scene reminded me very much, especially because uh, another peek behind the curtain. So we record a couple of these at a time, and so for this entire stretch, I watched the theatrical cut accidentally first. AKA, <laughs> I did a little bit of um, extra research. Is, yeah, extra is credit. How, yeah. So the moment where they, they hit their knees and the masks come off is where the, the previous minute starts. But that specific moment really reminds me of the, in Man of Steel, she says, I get writer's block if I'm not wearing a flak jacket. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And right. so kind of cutting straight into that action really reminds me of that of like, oh, of course. Yeah. This is Lois. This is the Lois that they set up in, in Man of Steel. Like things maybe aren't going necessarily according to plan, but like we know this is, this is what she does. This is not new territory for her. We didn't really – this is our biggest sense of Lois as kind of her own reporter going off doing a story that has nothing to do with Superman. Right. You know, he, Superman was not the story for her. Mm-hmm. We, we kind of referred to the Coke bottle showing up as representing the globalism, right, and globalization that is our world and that is hugely informing Man of Steel and now this story, which again is kind of arrived at when the – Bags are pulled off of their heads. We are introduced like simultaneously to African troops and African uh, lieutenants of whoever this Amajog is that we're going to meet standing right beside a clearly white private military contractor. Mm -hmm. And maybe this can only be really appreciated by seeing the ultimate cut and then putting the pieces together after the fact that, that really the ultimate cut emerges, you know, a new story. 
like a completely different plot line. Yeah. Well, and what's fa- the most fascinating about that to me is in just how significantly the general's dialogue is altered. It's not just that some of it was cut, but I think some of it is even alternate dialogue from what he uses in the in the theatrical or I guess maybe it maybe it is cut, but it's it's significant enough new dialogue that it's and and it's like relevant to the themes of the movie that it's kind of shocking that that it was removed at all. It really is speaking to like a different plot line completely. Yeah, exactly. Well, and it's also fascinating because we, we put so much focus on the first minutes about how the minutes were transitioned by by some sort of impact, an explosion or a gunshot or something happened. The majority of the minute marks. And that continues a little bit here to an extent. But in the theatrical cut, it's actually more consistent at this point than it is in the ultimate cut. Oh, interesting. And yeah, and what's really interesting is it's very clear that uh, to me at least that because they are maintaining like, you know, the hammer will hit for the kryptonite yeah. at the minute mark and then and and there's a few other ones after that. To me that it it's very much looks like someone looked at it and said, "Look, this needs to be at this minute. This needs to be at this minute. Make it line up. I don't care what you cut. We need to shorten it." Hmm. Or I mean, I guess apparently Zach did the the editing himself, so I don't mean to suggest that someone was over his shoulder telling him what to cut and not to cut. Right, right. But, that was just the the way it was. But it's very decided upon. Yeah, but it's very runtime conscious. I guess is is my point about. I do remember in the theatrical cut, this all had a real a momentum to it, but it didn't feel like I was missing out on anything in the first viewing. Yeah. It was only after the fact it was, oh, wow, this was just a completely different scene with, like, to your point, completely different dialogue speaking to themes that are going to be way subtler in the theatrical cut or just completely removed. Yeah, exactly. I I do think in this, the transition into the minute is the very cool shot of Lois walking along the outstretched pointed arm of uh, of Amajog's right-hand man, it appears. Right. Which was classy. After talking about island scientists so much – in the the previous episode, and then talking about also how Jimmy and Lois again are another example of of like Western civilization in a place that's you know they ne- don't necessarily belong. Really brought KG Beast appearing here into <laughs> a into a new light also, which Lois calls that out in the um in the next minute. But yeah, uh, if we're gonna look so much at Island Scientist and say what is he doing? Why is he here? Um, you transition into this minute, and even if you say, okay, it makes sense that Lois and Jimmy are there, they're, they're doing the story, they show up in this compound, and then boom, there's a white dude wearing military yeah. gear who is not with the government. What is his involvement here? Yeah. Yeah, there are interests manipulating people outside of their uh, region. There's some, yeah. You could say, I guess, going to the next minute, that one question begs another. The overwhelming theme, I think, of, I'll just say, this minute is basically setting up you know what setting up expectations and setting up expectations that are going to be subverted mm-hmm. in these next two minutes i think and if there is a section of the movie that i would say is probably underappreciated or underexamined or underconsidered in the scope of the larger film it is this nairomi section which is what's so fascinating about the fact that it was one of the most significantly altered for the theatrical versus the the ultimate cut, which, yeah. as we know now, because Zach has come out and been a little bit more explicit about it, the the ultimate cut is his 
director's cut. It's called the yeah. ultimate cut. That was the cut he. This is the cut he wanted shown in theaters. Exactly. Well, and it was cut. Not a rough cut, or yeah, and it was cut for theaters. And and it's very clear watching this why why he wanted all this in there. And sure, for for general understanding of the plot and pacing purposes, you could cut this. But then when you come out of, I remember one of the big complaints coming out of the theater was people were saying, I think the, the question was asked often, what is this movie about? And that was sort of levied as a complaint about, can you sum up what the movie is? Not the story, but what is it even about? And I think there's a lot of answers to that. I don't think it can necessarily be summed up succinctly as like a singular thesis, because it does yeah. tackle a number of things. But after the ultimate cut came out, looking back on the scene, it makes a lot of sense why people would say, what is this movie about? Because the moments in here that were cut that we'll, we'll cover in the next couple of minutes are moments that there's direct quotes or, or foreshadowing or, 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 or moments that kick off plot points that are significant to just about every thread of the movie moving forward and it was that was just completely absent in the in the theatrical cut it, it it has the feeling after watching the full movie that if i saw this ultimate cut and then was asked to cut a half an hour like my first thought would be i don't know how you can yeah and you know obviously when the ultimate cut came out i was asking that question and i guess for anybody curious you can find i wrote up every single change between the theatrical and ultimate cuts which is on screenrant.com i guess just search every change it'll thank yeah. you google for making <laughs> that easy um if you take out this subplot then a lot of other scenes later become extraneous as well like it is the, it is probably the most whole subplot that can be removed without altering what else is left. So I can understand how it was made, but at the same time, I also can understand how this is the actual cut of the movie. Yeah. Cause a lot of the things, like you said, it's setting up, it's foreshadowing, it's kind of giving an introduction to a lot of things that are touched on later in the movie, but. Yeah. So it's not like if you remove this, you don't remove the story, but. Instead, what ha instead of packaging the whole story up front in Africa, and then saying, "Oh, hey, this is going to play out for the rest of the movie," those those disparate threads are all introduced individually, yeah. scattered throughout the rest of the movie. Whereas here, you can kind of see how everything branches out and and back together. You have Lex Luthor, and like the bullet plot starts here. You have the themes of ignorance is not the same as innocence. You have uh, meddling in the. Um, uh, the yeah. geop geopolitical affairs you have um kgbs is obviously part of lex luther's plot but he's kind of got his own thing going on also i think uh, we, we could probably agree that like the reason that this ended up being the happiest to get cut is that batman and superman aren't in it yeah <laughs> right like it, for all intents and purposes this is lois's story which is which is a shame mm -hmm. but i mean you're not going to cut batman's or superman's so we're kind of left, but we're doing the ultimate cut, so we get to appreciate it now, and we get to appreciate some of the incredible thought-provoking dialogue, which we'll have uh, a lot to talk about coming up in minute 14. So, yeah. anything else to talk about? Um, no, not really. We're just um, coming up on, on Jimmy's big moment here. I have a feeling that Jimmy is going to make us proud with his service to his country, but unfortunately, we're about to watch it all unravel. <laughs> for Mr. For Mr. Olsen here. So unravel like a roll of film being exposed to the to the desert sun. Yep. Yeah. Jimmy, just let's make it official. Miss Lane. Miss Lane. 
Jimmy Olsen, photographer. You! Come on, no, no! No! It's okay, Lord. Ela and Tuntarayan and Aqua General. Ile Turagat inna da Kagatana Tim. Cool, you ready? Yep. Awesome. So after. I'm not ready. <laughs>